Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Chapter 6 of The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6. Sherlock Holmes Gives a Demonstration Now, Watson, said Holmes, rubbing his hands, we have half an hour to ourselves. Let us make good use of it. My case is, as I have told you, almost complete. But we must not err on the side of overconfidence. Simple as the case seems now, there may be something deeper underlying it. Simple? I ejaculated. Surely, said he, with something of the air of a clinical professor expounding to his class. Just sit in the corner there, that your footprints may not complicate matters. Now to work. In the first place, how did these folk come, and how did they go? The door has not been opened since last night. How of the window? He carried the lamp across to it, muttering his observations aloud the while, but addressing them to himself rather than to me. Window is snibbed on the inner side. Framework is solid. No hinges at the side. Let us open it. No water pipe near. Roof quite out of reach. Yet a man has mounted by the window. It rained a little last night. Here is the print of a foot in the mould upon the sill, and here is a circular muddy mark. And here again upon the floor. And here again by the table. See here, Watson, this is really a very pretty demonstration. I looked at the round, well-defined, muddy discs. This is not a footmark, said I. It is something much more valuable to us. It is the impression of a wooden stump. You see here on the sill is the boot mark, a heavy boot with the broad metal heel, and beside it is the mark of the timber toe. It is the wooden-legged man. Quite so. But there has been someone else, a very able and efficient ally. Could you scale that wall, doctor? I looked out of the open window. The moon still shone brightly on that angle of the house. We were a good sixty feet from the ground, and look where I would I could see no foothold, nor as much as a crevice in the brickwork. It is absolutely impossible, I answered. Without aid it is so. But suppose you had a friend up here who lowered you this good stout rope, which I see in the corner, securing one end of it to this great hook in the wall. Then, I think, if you were an active man, you might swarm up, wooden leg and all. You would depart, of course, in the same fashion, and your ally would draw up the rope. 
untie it from the hook, shut the window, snib it on the inside, and get away in the way that he originally came. As a minor point, it may be noted, he continued, fingering the rope, that our wooden-legged friend, though a fair climber, was not a professional sailor. His hands were far from horny. My lens discloses more than one blood mark, especially towards the end of the rope, from which I gather that he slipped down with such velocity that he took the skin off his hand. "'This is all very well,' said I. "'But the thing becomes more unintelligible than ever. How about this mysterious ally? How came he into the room?' "'Yes, the ally,' repeated Holmes pensively. "'There are features of interest about this ally. He lifts the case from the regions of the commonplace. I fancy that this ally breaks fresh ground in the annals of crime in this country, though parallel cases suggest themselves from India, and, if my memory serves me, from Senegambia.' "'How came he, then?' I reiterated. "'The door's locked. The window is inaccessible. Was it through the chimney?' the grate is much too small he answered i had already considered that possibility how then i persisted you will not apply my precept he said shaking his head how often have i said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible whatever remains however improbable must be the truth we know that he did not come through the door the window or the chimney we also know that he could not have been concealed in the room as there is no concealment possible whence then did he come he came through the hole in the roof i cried of course he did he must have done so if you will have the kindness to hold the lamp for me we shall now extend our researches to the room above the secret room in which the treasure was found he mounted the steps and seizing a rafter with each hand he swung himself up into the garret then lying on his face he reached down for the lamp and held it while i followed him the chamber in which we found ourselves was about ten feet one way and six the other the floor was formed by the rafters with thin lath and plaster between so that in walking one had to step from beam to beam the roof ran up to an apex and was evidently the inner shell of the true roof of the house there was no furniture of any sort and the accumulated dust of years lay thick upon the floor here you are you see said sherlock holmes putting his hand against the sloping wall this is a trap-door which leads out onto the roof i can press it back and here is the roof itself sloping at a gentle angle this then is the way by which number one entered let us see if we can find any other traces of his individuality he held down the lamp to the floor and as he did so i saw for the second time that night a startled surprised look come over his face for myself as i followed his gaze my skin was cold under my clothes the floor was covered thickly with the prints of a naked foot clear well-defined perfectly formed but scarce half the size of those of an ordinary man holmes i said in a whisper a child has done the horrid thing he had recovered his self-possession in an instant i was staggered for the moment he said 
but the thing is quite natural my memory failed me or i should have been able to foretell it there is nothing more to be learned here let us go down what is your theory then as to those footmarks i asked eagerly when we had regained the lower room once more my dear watson try a little analysis yourself said he with a touch of impatience you know my methods apply them and it will be instructive to compare results i cannot conceive anything which will cover the facts i answered it will be clear enough soon he said in an off-hand way i think that there is nothing else of importance here but i will look he whipped out his lens and a tape measure and hurried about the room on his knees measuring comparing examining with his long thin nose only a few inches from the planks and his beady eyes gleaming and deep-set like those of a bird so swift silent and furtive were his movements like those of a trained bloodhound picking out a scent that i could not but think what a terrible criminal he would have made had he turned his energy and sagacity against the law instead of exerting them in its defence as he hunted about he kept muttering to himself and finally he broke out into a loud crow of delight we are certainly in luck said he we ought to have very little trouble now number one has had the misfortune to tread in the creosote you can see the outline of the edge of his small foot here at the side of this evil smelling mess the carboy has been cracked you see and the stuff has leaked out what then i asked why we have got him that's all said he i know a dog that would follow that scent to the world's end if a pack can track a trailed herring across a shire how far can a specially trained hound follow so pungent a smell as this it sounds like a sum in the rule of three the answer should give us the but hello here are the accredited representatives of the law heavy steps and the clamour of loud voices were audible from below and the hall door shut with a loud crash before they come said holmes just put your hand here on this poor fellow's arm and here on his leg what do you feel the muscles are as hard as a board i answered quite so they are in a state of extreme contraction far exceeding the usual rigor mortis coupled with this distortion of the face this hippocratic smile or rhesus sardonicus as the old writers called it what conclusion would it suggest to your mind death from some powerful vegetable alkaloid i answered some strychnine like substance which would produce tetanus that was the idea which occurred to me the instant i saw the drawn muscles of the face on getting into the room i at once looked for the means by which the poison had entered the system as you saw i discovered a thorn which had been driven or shot with no great force into the scalp you observe that the part struck was that which would be turned towards the hole in the ceiling if the man were erect in his chair now examine the thorn i took it up gingerly and held it in the light of the lantern it was long sharp and black with a glazed look near the point as though some gummy substance had dried upon it the blunt end had been trimmed and rounded off with a knife is that an english thorn he asked no it certainly is not 
with all these data you should be able to draw some just inference but here are the regulars so the auxiliary forces may beat a retreat as he spoke the steps which had been coming nearer sounded loudly on the passage and a very stout portly man in a grey suit strode heavily into the room he was red-faced burly and plethoric with a pair of very small twinkling eyes which looked keenly out from between swollen and puffy pouches he was closely followed by an inspector in uniform and by the still palpitating thaddeus sholto here's a business he cried in a muffled husky voice here's a pre-business but who are all these why the house seems to be as full as a rabbit warren i think you must recollect me mr athelney jones said holmes quietly why of course i do he wheezed it's mr sherlock holmes the theorist remember you i'll never forget how you lectured us all on causes and inferences and effects in the bishopgate's jewel case it's true you set us on the right track but you'll own now that it was more by good luck than good guidance it was a piece of very simple reasoning oh come now come never be ashamed to own up but what is all this bad business bad business stern facts here no room for theories how lucky that i happened to be out at norwood over another case i was at the station when the message arrived what do you think the man died of oh this is hardly a case for me to theorize over said holmes dryly no no still we can't deny that you hit the nail on the head sometimes dear me door locked i understand jewels worth half a million missing how was the window fastened but there are steps on the sill well well if it was fastened the steps could have nothing to do with the matter that's common sense man might have died in a fit but then the jewels are missing ha i have a theory these flashes come upon me at times just step outside sergeant and you mr sholto your friend can remain what do you think of this holmes sholto was on his own confession with his brother last night the brother died in a fit on which sholto walked off with the treasure how's that on which the dead man very considerately got up and locked the door on the inside hm there's a floor there let us apply common sense to the matter this thaddeus sholto was with his brother there was a quarrel so much we know the brother is dead and the jewels are gone so much also we know no one saw the brother from the time thaddeus left him his bed had not been slept in thaddeus is evidently in a most disturbed state of mind his appearance is well not attractive you see that i'm weaving my web round thaddeus the net begins to close upon him you are not quite in possession of the facts yet said holmes this splinter of wood which i have every reason to believe to be poisoned was in the man's scalp where you will see the mark this card inscribed as you see it was on the table and beside it lay this rather curious stone-headed instrument how does all that fit into your theory 
confirms it in every respect said the fat detective pompously ours is full of indian curiosities thaddeus brought this up and if this splinter be poisonous thaddeus may as well have made murderous use of it as any other man the card is some hocus pocus a blind as like as not the only question is how did he depart ah of course there is a hole in the roof with great activity considering his bulk he sprang up the steps and squeezed through into the garret and immediately afterwards we heard his exulting voice proclaiming that he had found the trap-door he can find something remarked holmes shrugging his shoulders he has occasional glimmerings of reason il n'y a pas de saut si incommode que ceux qui ont de l'esprit you see said Otholney jones reappearing down the steps again facts are better than mere theories after all my view of the case is confirmed there is a trap-door communicating with the roof and it is partly open it was i who opened it oh indeed you did notice it then he seemed a little crestfallen at the discovery well whoever noticed it it shows how our gentleman got away inspector yes sir from the passage ask mr sholto to step this way mr sholto it is my duty to inform you that anything which you may say will be used against you i arrest you in the queen's name as being concerned in the death of your brother there now didn't i tell you cried the poor little man throwing out his hands and looking from one to the other of us don't trouble yourself about it mr sholto said holmes i think that i can engage to clear you of the charge don't promise too much mr theorist don't promise too much snapped the detective you may find it a harder matter than you think not only will i clear him mr jones but i will make you a free present of the name and description of one of the two people who were in this room last night his name i have every reason to believe is jonathan small he is a poorly educated man small active with his right leg off and wearing a wooden stump which is worn away upon the inner side his left boot has a coarse square-toed sole with an iron band around the heel he is a middle-aged man much sunburned and has been a convict these few indications may be of some assistance to you coupled with the fact that there is a good deal of skin missing from the palm of his hand the other man ah oh, the other man asked athelney jones in a sneering voice but impressed none the less as i could easily see by the precision of the other's manner is a rather curious person said sherlock holmes turning upon his heel i hope before very long to be able to introduce you to the pair of them a word with you watson he led me out to the head of the stair this unexpected occurrence he said has caused us rather to lose sight of the original purpose of our journey i've just been thinking so i answered it is not right that miss morstan should remain in this stricken house no you must escort her home she lives with mrs cecil forrester in lower camberwell so it is not very far i will wait for you here if you will drive out again or perhaps you are too tired by no means i don't think i could rest until i know more of this fantastic business i've seen something of the rough side of life 
but i give you my word that this quick succession of strange surprises to-night has shaken my nerve completely i should like however to see the matter through with you now that i have got so far your presence will be of great service to me he answered we shall work the case out independently and leave this fellow jones to exult over any mare's nest which he may choose to construct when you have dropped miss morstan i wish you to go on to number three pinchin lane down near the water's edge at lambeth the third house on the right-hand side is a bird stuffers sherman is the name you'll see a weasel holding a young rabbit in the window knock old sherman up and tell him with my compliments that i want toby at once you'll bring toby back in the cab with you a dog i suppose yes a queer mongrel with the most amazing power of scent i would rather have toby's help than that of the whole detective force of london i shall bring him then said i it is one now i ought to be back before three if i can get a fresh horse and i said holmes shall see what i can learn from mrs burnstone and from the indian servant who mr thaddeus tells me sleeps in the next garret then i shall study the great jones's methods and listen to his not too delicate sarcasms wir sind gewohnt dass die menschen verhunnen was sie nicht verstehen goethe is always pithy End of chapter 6chapter 7 of the sign of the four by sir arthur conan doyle this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter 7 the episode of the barrel the police had brought a cab with them and in this i escorted miss morstan back to her home after the angelic fashion of women she had borne trouble with a calm face as long as there was someone weaker than herself to support and i had found her bright and placid by the side of the frightened housekeeper in the cab however she first turned faint and then burst into a passion of weeping so sorely had she been tried by the adventures of the night she has told me since that she thought me cold and distant upon that journey she little guessed the struggle within my breast or the effort of self-restraint which held me back my sympathies and my love went out to her even as my hand had in the garden i felt that years of the conventionalities of life could not teach me to know her sweet brave nature as had this one day of strange experiences yet there were two thoughts which sealed the words of affection upon my lips she was weak and helpless shaken in mind and nerve it was to take her at a disadvantage to obtrude love upon her at such a time worse still she was rich if holmes's researches were successful she would be an heiress was it fair was it honourable that a half-pay surgeon should take such advantage of an intimacy which chance had brought about might she not look upon me as a mere vulgar fortune-seeker i could not bear to risk that such a thought should cross her mind this agra treasure intervened like an impassable barrier between us it was nearly two o'clock when we reached mrs cecil forrester's the servants had retired hours ago but mrs forrester had been so interested by the strange message which miss morstan had received that she had sat up in the hope of her return she opened the door herself a middle-aged graceful woman 
and it gave me joy to see how tenderly her arm stole around the other's waist and how motherly was the voice in which she greeted her she was clearly no mere paid dependent but an honoured friend i was introduced and mrs forrester earnestly begged me to step in and tell her our adventures i explained however the importance of my errand and promised faithfully to call and report any progress which we might make with the case as we drove away i stole a glance back and i still seemed to see that little group on the step the two graceful clinging figures the half-open door the whole light shining through stained glass the barometer and the bright stair rods it was soothing to catch even that passing glimpse of a tranquil english home in the midst of the wild dark business which had absorbed us the more i thought of what had happened the wilder and darker it grew i reviewed the whole extraordinary sequence of events as i rattled on through the silent gaslit streets there was the original problem that at least was pretty clear now the death of captain morstan the sending of the pearls the advertisement the letter we had only light upon all those events they had only led us however to a deeper and far more tragic mystery the indian treasure the curious plan found among morstan's baggage the strange scene at major sholto's death the rediscovery of the treasure immediately followed by the murder of the discoverer the very singular accompaniments to the crime the footsteps the remarkable weapons the words upon the card corresponding with those upon captain morstan's chart here was indeed a labyrinth in which a man less singularly endowed than my fellow lodger might well despair of ever finding the clue pinchin lane was a row of shabby two-storied brick houses in the lower quarter of lambeth i had to knock for some time at number three before i could make my impression at last however there was the glint of a candle behind the blind and a face looked out at the upper window go on you drunken vagabond said the face if you kick up any more row i'll open the kennels and let our forty-three dogs upon you if you'll let one out it's just what i have come for said i go on yelled a voice so help me gracious i have a wiper in the bag and i'll drop it on your head if you don't hook it but i want a dog i cried i won't be argued with shouted mr sherman now stand clear for when i say three down goes the wiper mr sherlock holmes i began but the words had a most magical effect for the window instantly slammed down and within a minute the door was unbarred and open mr sherman was a lanky lean old man with stooping shoulders a stringy neck and blue tinted glasses a friend of mr sherlock is always welcome said he step in sir keep clear of the badger for he bites ah naughty naughty would you take a nip at the gentleman this to a stoat which thrust its wicked head and red eyes between the bars of its cage don't mind that sir it's only a slow worm it ain't got no fangs so i gives it the run of the room for it keeps the beetles down you mustn't mind being just a little short with you at first for i'm guided by the children and there's many a one just comes down this lane to knock me up what was it that mr sherlock holmes wanted sir he wanted a dog of yours ah that will be toby yes uh, toby was the name toby lives at number seven on the left there he moved slowly forward with his candle among the queer animal family which he had gathered around him 
in the uncertain shadowy light i could see dimly that there were glancing glimmering eyes peeping down at us from every cranny and corner even the rafters above our heads were lined by solemn fowls who lazily shifted their weight from one leg to the other as our voices disturbed their slumbers toby proved to be an ugly long-haired lop-eared creature half spaniel and half lurcher brown and white in colour with a very clumsy waddling gait it accepted after some hesitation a lump of sugar which the old naturalist handed to me and having thus sealed an alliance it followed me to the cab and made no difficulties about accompanying me it had just struck three on the palace clock when i found myself back once more at pondicherry lodge the ex-prize-fighter mcmurdo had i found been arrested as an accessory and both he and mr sholto had been marched off to the station two constables guarded the narrow gate but they allowed me to pass with the dog on my mentioning the detective's name holmes was standing on the doorstep with his hands in his pockets smoking his pipe ah you have him there said he good dog then athney jones has gone we've had an immense display of energy since you left he has arrested not only friend thaddeus but the gatekeeper the housekeeper and the indian servant we have the place to ourselves but for a sergeant upstairs leave the dog here and come up we tied toby to the hall table and reascended the stairs the room was as he had left it save that a sheet had been draped over the central figure a weary-looking police sergeant reclined in the corner lend me your bull's-eye sergeant said my companion now tie this bit of card round my neck so as to hang it in front of me thank you now i must kick off my boots and stockings just you carry them down with you watson i'm going to do a little climbing and dip my handkerchief into the creosote that will do now come up into the garret with me for a moment we clambered up through the hole holmes turned his light once more upon the footsteps in the dust i wish you particularly to notice these footmarks he said do you observe anything noteworthy about them they belong i said to a child or a small woman apart from their size though is there nothing else they appear to be much as other footmarks not at all look here this is the print of right foot in the dust now i make one with my naked foot beside it what is the chief difference your toes are all cramped together the other print has each toe distinctly divided quite so that is the point bear that in mind now would you kindly step over to that flap window and smell the edge of the woodwork i shall stay here as i have this handkerchief in my hand i did as he directed and was instantly conscious of a strong tarry smell that is where he put his foot in getting out if you can trace him i should think that toby will have no difficulty now run downstairs loose the dog and look out for blondin by the time that i got out into the grounds sherlock holmes was on the roof and i could see him like an enormous glow-worm crawling very slowly along the ridge i lost sight of him behind a stack of chimneys but he presently reappeared and then vanished once more upon the opposite side 
when i made my way round there i found him seated at one of the corner eaves that's you watson he cried yes this is the place what is that black thing down there a water barrel top on it yes no sign of a ladder no confound the fellow it's a most breakneck place i ought to be able to come down where he could climb up the water pipe feels pretty firm here goes anyhow there was a scuffling of feet and the lantern began to come steadily down the side of the wall then with a light spring he came on to the barrel and from there to the earth it was easy to follow him he said drawing on his stockings and boots tiles were loosened the whole way long and in his hurry he had dropped this it confirms my diagnosis as you doctors express it the object which he held up to me was a small pocket or pouch woven out of colored grasses and with a few tawdry beads strung around it in shape and size it was not unlike a cigarette case inside were half a dozen spines of dark wood sharp at one end and rounded at the other like that which had struck bartholomew sholto they are hellish things said he look out that you don't prick yourself i'm delighted to have them for the chances are that they are all he has there is the less fear of you or me finding one in our skin before long i would sooner face a martini bullet myself are you game for a six-mile trudge watson certainly i answered your leg will stand it oh yes here you are doggy good old toby smell it toby smell it he pushed the creosote handkerchief under the dog's nose while the creature stood with its fluffy legs separated and with a most comical cock to its head like a connoisseur sniffing the bouquet of a famous vintage holmes then threw the handkerchief to a distance fastened a stout cord to the mongrel's collar and led him to the foot of the water barrel the creature instantly broke into a succession of high tremulous yelps and with his nose on the ground and his tail in the air pattered off upon the trail at a pace which strained his leash and kept us at the top of our speed the east had been gradually whitening and we could now see some distance in the cold gray light the square massive house with its black empty windows and high bare walls towered up sad and forlorn behind us our course led right across the grounds in and out among the trenches and pits with which they were scarred and intersected the whole place with its scattered dirt heaps and ill-grown shrubs had a blighted ill-omened look which harmonized with the black tragedy which hung over it on reaching the boundary wall toby ran along whining eagerly underneath its shadow and stopped finally in a corner screened by a young beech where the two walls joined several bricks had been loosened and the crevices left were worn down and rounded upon the lower side as though they had frequently been used as a ladder holmes clambered up and taking the dog from me he dropped it over upon the other side there's the print of wooden legs hand he remarked as i mounted up beside him you see the slight smudge of blood upon the white plaster what a lucky thing it is that we have had no very heavy rain since yesterday the scent will lie upon the road in spite of their eight-and-twenty hours start i confess that i had my doubts myself 
when i reflected upon the great traffic which had passed along the london road in the interval my fears were soon appeased however toby never hesitated or swerved but waddled on in his peculiar rolling fashion clearly the pungent smell of the creosote rose high above all other contending scents do not imagine said holmes that i depend for my success in this case upon the mere chance of one of these fellows having put his foot in the chemical i have knowledge now which would enable me to trace them in many different ways this however is the readiest and since fortune has put it into our hands i should be culpable if i neglected it it has however prevented the case from becoming the pretty little intellectual problem which it at one time promised to be there might have been some credit to be gained out of it but for this too palpable clue there is credit and to spare said i i assure you holmes that i marvel at the means by which you obtain your results in this case even more than i did in the jefferson hope murder the thing seems to me to be deeper and more inexplicable how for example could you describe with such confidence the wooden-legged man oh, my dear boy it was simplicity itself i don't wish to be theatrical it is all patent and above board two officers who are in command of a convict guard learn an important secret as to buried treasure a map is drawn for them by an englishman named jonathan small you remember that we saw the name upon the chart in captain morstan's possession he had signed it in behalf of himself and his associates the sign of the four as he somewhat dramatically called it aided by this chart the officers or one of them gets the treasure and brings it to england leaving we will suppose some condition under which he received it unfulfilled now then why did not jonathan small get the treasure himself the answer is obvious the chart is dated at a time when morstan was brought into close association with convicts jonathan small did not get the treasure because he and his associates were themselves convicts and could not get away but that's mere speculation said i it is more than that it is the only hypothesis which covers the facts let us see how it fits in with the sequel major sholto remains at peace for some years happy in the possession of his treasure then he receives a letter from india which gives him a great fright what was that a letter to say that the men whom he had wronged had been set free or had escaped that is much more likely for he would have known what their term of imprisonment was it would not have been a surprise to him what does he do then he guards himself against a wooden-legged man a white man mark you for he mistakes a white tradesman for him and actually fires a pistol at him now only one white man's name is on the chart the others are hindus or mohammedans there is no other white man therefore we may say with confidence that the wooden-legged man is identical with jonathan small does the reasoning strike you as being faulty no it's clear and concise well now let us put ourselves in the place of jonathan small let us look at it from his point of view he comes to england with the double idea of regaining what he would consider to be his rights and of having his revenge upon the man who had wronged him he found out where sholto lived 
and very possibly he established communications with someone inside the house there is this butler lal rao whom we have not seen mrs burnstone gives him far from a good character small could not find out however where the treasure was hid for no one ever knew save the major and one faithful servant who had died suddenly small learns that the major is on his deathbed in a frenzy lest the secret of the treasure die with him he runs the gauntlet of the guards makes his way to the dying man's window and is only deterred from entering by the presence of his two sons mad with hate however against the dead man he enters the room that night searches his private papers in the hope of discovering some memorandum relating to the treasure and finally leaves a memento of his visit in the short inscription upon the card he had doubtless planned beforehand that should he slay the major he would leave some such record upon the body as a sign that it was not a common murder but from the point of view of the four associates something in the nature of an act of justice whimsical and bizarre conceits of this kind are common enough in the annals of crime and usually afford valuable indications as to the criminal do you follow all this very clearly now what could jonathan small do he could only continue to keep a secret watch upon the efforts made to find the treasure possibly he leaves england and only comes back at intervals then comes the discovery of the garret and he is instantly informed of it we again trace the presence of some confederate in the household jonathan with his wooden leg is utterly unable to reach the lofty room of bartholomew sholto he takes with him however a rather curious associate who gets over this difficulty but dips his naked foot into creosote whence comes toby and a six-mile limp for a half-pay officer with a damaged tendo achilles but it was the associate and not jonathan who committed the crime quite so and rather to jonathan's disgust to judge by the way he stamped about when he got into the room he bore no grudge against bartholomew sholto and would have preferred if he could have been simply bound and gagged he did not wish to put his head in a halter there was no help for it however the savage instincts of his companion had broken out and the poison had done its work so jonathan small left his record lowered the treasure box to the ground and followed it himself that was the train of events as far as i can decipher them of course as to his personal appearance he must be middle-aged and must be sunburned after serving his time in such an oven as the andaman's his height is readily calculated from the length of his stride and we know that he was bearded his hairiness was the one point which impressed itself upon thaddeus sholto when he saw him at the window i don't know that there is anything else the associate ah well there is no great mystery in that but you will know all about it soon enough how sweet the morning air is see how that one little cloud floats like a pink feather from some gigantic flamingo now the red rim of the sun pushes itself over the london cloud bank it shines on a good many folk but on none i dare bet who are on a stranger errand than you and i how small we feel with our petty ambitions and strivings in the presence of the great elemental forces of nature are you well up in your jean paul fairly so i worked back to him through carlyle 
that was like following the brook to the parent lake he makes one curious but profound remark it is that the chief proof of man's real greatness lies in his perception of his own smallness it argues you see a power of comparison and of appreciation which is in itself a proof of nobility there is much food for thought in richter you have not a pistol have you i have my stick it is just possible that we may need something of the sort if we get to their lair jonathan i shall leave to you but if the other turns nasty i shall shoot him dead he took out his revolver as he spoke and having loaded two of the chambers he put it back into the right-hand pocket of his jacket we had during this time been following the guidance of toby down the half rural villa lined roads which lead to the metropolis now however we were beginning to come among continuous streets where laborers and dockmen were already astir and slatternly women were taking down shutters and brushing doorsteps at the square-topped corner public houses business was just beginning and rough-looking men were emerging rubbing their sleeves across their beards after their morning wet strange dogs sauntered up and stared wonderingly at us as we passed but our inimitable toby looked neither to the right nor to the left but trotted onwards with his nose to the ground and an occasional eager whine which spoke of a hot scent we had traversed streatham brixton camberwell and now found ourselves in kennington lane having borne away through the side streets to the east of the oval the men whom we pursued seemed to have taken a curiously zigzag road with the idea probably of escaping observation they had never kept to the main road if a parallel side street would serve their turn at the foot of kennington lane they had edged away to the left through bond street and miles street where the latter street turns into knight's place toby ceased to advance but began to run backwards and forwards with one ear cocked and the other drooping the very picture of canine indecision then he waddled round in circles looking up to us from time to time as if asking for sympathy in his embarrassment what the deuce is the matter with the dog growled holmes they surely would not take a cab or go off in a balloon perhaps they stood here for some time i suggested ah oh, it's all right he's off again said my companion in a tone of relief he was indeed off for after sniffing around again he suddenly made up his mind and darted away with an energy and determination such as he had not yet shown the scent appeared to be much hotter than before for he had not even to put his nose on the ground but tugged at his leash and tried to break into a run i could see by the gleam in holmes's eyes that he thought we were nearing the end of our journey our course now ran down nine elms until we came to broderick and nelson's large timber yard just past the white eagle tavern here the dog frantic with excitement turned down through the side gate into the enclosure where the sawyers were already at work on the dog race through sawdust and shavings down an alley round a passage between two wood piles and finally with a triumphant yelp sprang upon a large barrel which still stood upon the hand trolley on which it had been brought with lolling tongue and blinking eyes toby stood upon the cask looking from one to the other of us for some sign of appreciation the staves of the barrel and the wheels of the trolley were smeared with a dark liquid and the whole air was heavy with the smell of creosote sherlock holmes and i looked blankly at each other 
and then burst simultaneously into an uncontrollable fit of laughter end of chapter seven chapter eight of the sign of the four by sir arthur conan doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight the baker street irregulars what now i asked toby has lost his character for infallibility he acted according to his lights said holmes lifting him down from the barrel and walking him out of the timber yard if you consider how much creosote is carted about london in one day it is no great wonder that our trail should have been crossed it is much used now especially for the seasoning of wood poor toby is not to blame we must get on the main scent again i suppose yes and fortunately we have no distance to go evidently what puzzled the dog at the corner of knight's place was that there were two different trails running in opposite directions we took the wrong one it only remains to follow the other there was no difficulty about this on leading toby to the place where he had committed his fault he cast about in a wide circle and finally dashed off in a fresh direction we must take care that he doesn't now bring us to the place where the creosote barrel came from i observed i had thought of that but you notice that he keeps on the pavement whereas the barrel passed down the roadway no we are on the true scent now it tended down towards the riverside running through belmont place and prince's street at the end of broad street it ran right down to the water's edge where there was a small wooden wharf toby led us to the very edge of this and there stood whining looking out on the dark current beyond we are out of luck said holmes they have taken to a boat here several small punts and skiffs were lying about in the water and on the edge of the wharf we took toby round to each in turn but though he sniffed earnestly he made no sign close to the rude landing stage was a small brick house with a wooden placard slung out through the second window mordecai smith was printed across it in large letters and underneath boats to hire by the hour or day a second inscription above the door informed us that a steam launch was kept a statement which was confirmed by a great pile of coke upon the jetty sherlock holmes looked slowly round and his face assumed an ominous expression this looks bad said he these fellows are sharper than i expected they seem to have covered their tracks there has i fear been preconcerted management here he was approaching the door of the house when it opened and a little curly-headed lad of six came running out followed by a stoutish red-faced woman with a large sponge in her hand you come back and be washed jack she shouted come back young imp for if your father comes home and finds you like that he'll let us hear of it dear little chap said holmes strategically what a rosy-cheeked young rascal now jack is there anything you would like the youth pondered for a moment i'd like a shilling said he nothing you would like better i'd like two shilling better the prodigy answered after some thought here you are then catch a fine child mrs smith 
lord bless you sir he is that and forward he gets a most too much for me to manage especially when my man is away days at a time away is he said holmes in a disappointed voice i am sorry for that for i wanted to speak to mr smith he's been away since yesterday morning sir and truth to tell i'm beginning to feel frightened about him but if it was about a boat sir maybe i could serve as well i wanted to hire the steam launch why bless you sir it is in the steam launch that he's gone that's what puzzles me for i know there ain't more coals in her than would take her to about woolwich and back if he'd been away in the barge i'd have thought nothing for many a time a job has taken him as far as gravesend and then if there was much doing there he might have stayed over but what good is a steam launch without coals he might have bought some at a wharf down the river he might sir but it weren't his way many a time i've heard him call out the prices they charge for a few odd bags besides i don't like that wooden-legged man with his ugly face and outlandish talk what did he want always knocking about here for a wooden-legged man said holmes with bland surprise yes sir a brown monkey-faced chap it's called more'n once for my old man it was him that roused him up yesternight and what's more my man knew he was coming for he had steam up in the launch i tell you straight sir i don't feel easy in my mind about it but my dear mrs smith said holmes shrugging his shoulders you are frightening yourself about nothing how could you possibly tell that it was the wooden-legged man who came in the night i don't quite understand how you can be so sure his voice sir i know his voice which is kind of thick and foggy he tapped at the winder about three it would be shower leg matey says he time to turn out guard my old man woke up jim that's me eldest and away they went without so much as a word to me i could hear the wooden leg clacking on the stones and was this wooden-legged man alone couldn't say i'm not sure sir i didn't hear no one else i am sorry mrs smith for i wanted a steam launch and i have heard good reports of the let me see what is her name the aurora sir ah she's not that old green launch with a yellow line very broad in the beam now indeed she's as trim a little thing as any on the river she's been fresh painted black with two red streaks thanks i hope you will hear soon from mr smith i am going down the river and if i should see anything of the aurora i shall let him know that you are uneasy a black funnel you say now sir uh, black with a white band ah uh, of course it was the sides which were black good morning mrs smith there is a boatman here with a wherry watson we shall take it and cross the river the main thing with people of that sort said holmes as we sat in the sheets of the wherry is never to let them think that their information can be of the slightest importance to you if you do they will instantly shut up like an oyster if you listen to them under protest as it were you are very likely to get what you want our course now seems pretty clear said i what would you do then i would engage a launch and go down the river on the track of the aurora my dear fellow it would be a colossal task 
she may have touched at any wharf on either side of the stream between here and greenwich below the bridge there is a perfect labyrinth of landing places for miles it would take you days and days to exhaust them if you set about it alone employ the police then no i shall probably call athelney jones in at the last moment he is not a bad fellow and i should not like to do anything which would injure him professionally but i have a fancy for working it out myself now that we have gone so far could we advertise then asking for information from wharfingers worse and worse our men would know that the chase was hot at their heels and they would be off out of the country as it is they are likely enough to leave but as long as they think they are perfectly safe they will be in no hurry jones's energy will be of use to us there for his view of the case is sure to push itself into the daily press and the runaways will think that everyone is off on the wrong scent what are we to do then i asked as we landed near millbank penitentiary take this hansom drive home have some breakfast and get an hour's sleep it is quite on the cards that we may be afoot to-night again stop at a telegraph office cabby we will keep toby for he may be of use to us yet we pulled up at the great peter street post office and holmes dispatched his wire whom do you think that is to he asked as we resumed our journey i'm sure i don't know you remember the baker street division of the detective police force whom i employed in the jefferson hope case well said i laughing this is just the case where they might be invaluable if they fail i have other resources but i shall try them first that wire was to my dirty little lieutenant wiggins and i expect that he and his gang will be with us before we've finished our breakfast it was between eight and nine o'clock now and i was conscious of a strong reaction after the successive excitements of the night i was limp and weary befogged in mind and fatigued in body i had not the professional enthusiasm which carried my companion on nor could i look at the matter as a mere abstract intellectual problem as far as the death of bartholomew sholto went i had heard little good of him and could feel no intense antipathy to his murderers the treasure however was a different matter that or part of it belonged rightfully to miss morstan while there was a chance of recovering it i was ready to devote my life to the one object true if i found it it would probably put her forever beyond my reach yet it would be a petty and selfish love which would be influenced by such a thought as that if holmes could work to find the criminals i had a tenfold stronger reason to urge me on to find the treasure a bath at baker street and a complete change freshened me up wonderfully when i came down to our room i found the breakfast laid and holmes pouring out the coffee here it is said he laughing and pointing to an open newspaper the energetic jones and the ubiquitous reporter have fixed it up between them but you've had enough of the case better have your ham and eggs first i took the paper from him and read the short notice which was headed mysterious business at upper norwood about twelve o'clock last night said the standard mr bartholomew sholto of pondicherry lodge upper norwood was found dead in his room under circumstances which point to foul play as far as we can learn no actual traces of violence were found upon mr sholto's person 
but a valuable collection of indian gems which the deceased gentleman had inherited from his father has been carried off the discovery was first made by mr sherlock holmes and dr watson who had called at the house with mr thaddeus sholto brother of the deceased by a singular piece of good fortune mr athelney jones the well-known member of the detective police force happened to be at the norwood police station and was on the ground within half an hour of the first alarm his trained and experienced faculties were at once directed towards the detection of the criminals with the gratifying result that the brother thaddeus sholto has already been arrested together with the housekeeper mrs burnstone an indian butler named lal rao and a porter or gatekeeper named mcmurdo it is quite certain that the thief or thieves were well acquainted with the house for mr jones's well-known technical knowledge and his powers of minute observation have enabled him to prove conclusively that the miscreants could not have entered by the door or by the window but must have made their way across the roof of the building and so through a trap-door into a room which communicated with that in which the body was found this fact which has been very clearly made out proves conclusively that it was no mere haphazard burglary the prompt and energetic action of the officers of the law shows the great advantage of the presence on such occasions of a single vigorous and masterful mind we cannot but think that it supplies an argument to those who would wish to see our detectives more decentralized and so brought into closer and more effective touch with the cases which it is their duty to investigate isn't it gorgeous said holmes grinning over his coffee cup what do you think of it i think that we have had a close shave ourselves of being arrested for the crime so do i i wouldn't answer for our safety now if you should happen to have another of his attacks of energy at this moment there was a loud ring at the bell and i could hear mrs hudson our landlady raising her voice in a wail of expostulation and dismay by heavens holmes i said half rising i believe that they are really after us no it's not quite so bad as that it is the unofficial force the baker street irregulars as he spoke there came a swift pattering of naked feet upon the stairs a clatter of high voices and in rushed a dozen dirty and ragged little street arabs there was some show of discipline among them despite their tumultuous entry for they instantly drew up in line and stood facing us with expectant faces one of their number taller and older than the others stood forward with an air of lounging superiority which was very funny in such a disreputable little scarecrow got your message sir said he and brought em on sharp three bob and a tanner for tickets here you are said holmes producing some silver in future they can report to you wiggins and you to me i cannot have the house invaded in this way however it is just as well that you should all hear the instructions i want to find the whereabouts of a steam launch called the aurora owner mordecai smith black with two red streaks funnel black with a white band she is down the river somewhere i want one boy to be at mordecai smith's landing stage opposite millbank to say if the boat comes back you must divide it out among yourselves and do both banks thoroughly let me know the moment you have news is that all clear yes governor said wiggins the old scale of pay 
and a guinea to the boy who finds the boat here's a day in advance now off you go he handed them a shilling each and away they buzzed down the stairs and i saw them a moment later streaming down the street if the launch is above water they will find her said holmes as he rose from the table and lit his pipe they can go everywhere see everything over here everyone i expect to hear before evening that they have spotted her in the meanwhile we can do nothing but await results we cannot pick up the broken trail until we find either the aurora or mr mordecai smith toby could eat these scraps i dare say are you going to bed holmes no i am not tired i have a curious constitution i never remember feeling tired by work though idleness exhausts me completely i'm going to smoke and to think over this queer business to which my fair client has introduced us if ever man had an easy task this of ours ought to be wooden-legged men are not so common but the other man must i shouldn't think be absolutely unique that other man again i have no wish to make a mystery of him to you anyway but you must have formed your own opinion now do consider the data diminutive footmarks toes never fettered by boots naked feet stone-headed wooden mace great agility small poisoned darts what do you make of all this a savage i exclaimed perhaps one of those indians who were the associates of jonathan small hardly that said he when first i saw signs of strange weapons i was inclined to think so but the remarkable character of the footmarks caused me to reconsider my views some of the inhabitants of the indian peninsula are small men but none could have left such marks as that the hindu proper has long and thin feet the sandal-wearing mohammedan has the great toe well separated from the others because the thong is commonly passed between these little darts too could only be shot in one way they are from a blowpipe now then where are we to find our savage south american i hazarded he stretched his hand up and took down a bulky volume from the shelf this is the first volume of a gazetteer which is now being published it may be looked upon as the very latest authority what have we here andaman islands situated 340 miles to the north of sumatra in the bay of bengal hum hum what's all this moist climate coral reefs sharks port blair convict barracks rutland island cottonwoods ah here we are the aborigines of the andaman islands may perhaps claim the distinction of being the smallest race upon this earth though some anthropologists prefer the bushmen of africa the digger indians of america and the terra del fuegans the average height is rather below four feet although many full-grown adults may be found who are very much smaller than this they are a fierce morose and intractable people though capable of forming most devoted friendships when their confidence has once been gained mark that watson now then listen to this they are naturally hideous having large misshapen heads small fierce eyes and distorted features their feet and hands however are remarkably small 
so intractable and fierce are they that all the efforts of the british official have failed to win them over in any degree they have always been a terror to shipwrecked crews braining the survivors with their stone-headed clubs or shooting them with their poisoned arrows these massacres are invariably concluded by a cannibal feast nice amiable people watson if this fellow had been left to his own unaided devices this affair might have taken an even more ghastly turn i fancy that even as it is jonathan small would give a good deal not to have employed him but how came he to have such singular a companion ah that is more than i can tell since however we had already determined that small had come from the andamans it is not so very wonderful that this islander should be with him no doubt we shall know all about it in time look here watson you look regularly done lie down there on the sofa and see if i can put you to sleep he took up his violin from the corner and as i stretched myself out he began to play some low dreamy melodious air his own no doubt for he had a remarkable gift for improvisation i have a vague remembrance of his gaunt limbs his earnest face and the rise and fall of his bow then i seemed to be floated peacefully away upon a soft sea of sound until i found myself in dreamland with the sweet face of mary morstan looking down upon me end of chapter eight chapter nine of the sign of the four by sir arthur conan doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine a break in the chain it was late in the afternoon before i woke strengthened and refreshed sherlock holmes still sat exactly as i had left him save that he had laid aside his violin and was deep in a book he looked across at me as i stirred and i noticed that his face was dark and troubled you have slept soundly he said i feared that our talk would wake you i heard nothing i answered have you had fresh news then unfortunately no i confess that i am surprised and disappointed i expected something definite by this time wiggins has just been up to report he says that no trace can be found of the launch it is a provoking check for every hour is of importance can i do anything i am perfectly fresh now and quite ready for another night's outing no we can do nothing we can only wait if we go ourselves the message might come in our absence and delay be caused you can do what you will but i must remain on guard then i shall run over to camberwell and call upon mrs cecil forrester she asked me to yesterday on mrs cecil forrester asked holmes with the twinkle of a smile in his eyes well of course miss morstan too they were anxious to hear what happened i would not tell them too much said holmes women are never to be entirely trusted not the best of them i did not pause to argue over this atrocious sentiment i shall be back in an hour or two i remarked all right good luck but i say if you are crossing the river you may as well return toby for i don't think it is at all likely that we shall have any use for him now i took our mongrel accordingly and left him together with a half-sovereign at the old naturalists in pinchin lane 
at camberwell i found miss morstan a little weary after her night's adventures but very eager to hear the news mrs forrester too was full of curiosity i told them all that we had done suppressing however the more dreadful parts of the tragedy thus although i spoke of mr sholto's death i said nothing of the exact manner and method of it with all my omissions however there was enough to startle and amaze them it is a romance cried mrs forrester an injured lady half a million in treasure a black cannibal and a wooden-legged ruffian they take the place of the conventional dragon or wicked earl and two knight errants to the rescue added miss morstan with a bright glance at me why mary your fortune depends upon the issue of this search i don't think that you are nearly excited enough just imagine what it must be to be so rich and to have the world at your feet it sent a little thrill of joy to my heart to notice that she showed no sign of elation at the prospect on the contrary she gave a toss of her proud head as though the matter were one in which she took small interest it is for mr thaddeus sholto that i am anxious she said nothing else is of any consequence but i think that he has behaved most kindly and honourably throughout it is our duty to clear him of this dreadful and unfounded charge it was evening before i left camberwell and quite dark by the time i reached home my companion's book and pipe lay by his chair but he had disappeared i looked about in the hope of seeing a note but there was none i suppose that mr sherlock holmes has gone out i said to mrs hudson as she came up to lower the blinds no sir he's gone to his room sir do you know sir sinking her voice into an impressive whisper i'm afraid for his health why so mrs hudson well he's that strange sir after he was gone he walked and he walked up and down and up and down until i was weary of the sound of his footstep then i heard him talking to himself and muttering and every time the bell rang out he came on the stairhead with what is that mrs hudson and now he's slammed off to his room but i can hear him walking away the same as ever i hope he's not going to be ill sir i ventured to say something to him about cooling medicine but he turned on me sir with such a look that i don't know however i got out of the room i don't think that you have any cause to be uneasy mrs hudson i answered i've seen him like this before he has some small matter upon his mind which makes him restless i tried to speak lightly to our worthy landlady but i was myself somewhat uneasy when through the long night i still from time to time heard the dull sound of his tread and knew how his keen spirit was chafing against this involuntary inaction at breakfast time he looked worn and haggard with a little fleck of feverish color upon either cheek you're knocking yourself up old man i remarked i heard you marching about in the night no i could not sleep he answered this infernal problem is consuming me it is too much to be balked by so petty an obstacle when all else had been overcome i know the men the launch everything and yet i can get no news i have set other agencies at work and used every means at my disposal the whole river has been searched on either side but there is no news nor has mrs smith heard of her husband i shall come to the conclusion soon that they have scuttled craft but there are objections to that or that mrs smith has put us on a wrong scent no i think that may be dismissed 
i had inquiries made and there is a launch of that description could it have gone up the river i have considered that possibility too and there is a search party who will work up as far as richmond if no news comes to-day i shall start off myself to-morrow and go for the men rather than the boat but surely surely we shall hear something we did not however not a word came to us either from wiggins or from the other agencies there were articles in most of the papers upon the norwood tragedy they all appeared to be rather hostile to the unfortunate thaddeus sholto no fresh details were to be found however in any of them save that an inquest was to be held upon the following day i walked over to camberwell in the evening to report our ill success to the ladies and on my return i found holmes dejected and somewhat morose he would hardly reply to my questions and busied himself all evening in an abstruse chemical analysis which involved much heating of retorts and distilling of vapours ending at last in a smell which fairly drove me out of the apartment up to the small hours of the morning i could hear the clinking of his test-tubes which told me that he was still engaged in his malodorous experiment in the early dawn i woke with a start and was surprised to find him standing by my bedside clad in a rude sailor dress with a pea-jacket and a coarse red scarf round his neck i am off down the river watson said he i have been turning it over in my mind and i can see only one way out of it it is worth trying at all events surely i can come with you then said i no you can be much more useful if you'll remain here as my representative i am loath to go for it is quite on the cards that some message may come during the day though wiggins was despondent about it last night i want you to open all notes and telegrams and to act on your own judgment if any news should come can i rely upon you most certainly i am afraid that you will not be able to wire to me for i can hardly tell yet where i may find myself if i am in luck however i may not be gone so very long i shall have news of some sort or other before i get back i had heard nothing of him by breakfast time on opening the standard however i found that there was a fresh allusion to the business with reference to the upper norwood tragedy it remarked we have reason to believe that the matter promises to be even more complex and mysterious than was originally supposed fresh evidence has shown that it is quite impossible that mr thaddeus sholto could have been in any way concerned in the matter he and the housekeeper mrs bernstone were both released yesterday evening it is believed however that the police have a clue as to the real culprits and that it is being prosecuted by mr athelney jones of scotland yard with all his well-known energy and sagacity further arrests may be expected at any moment that is satisfactory so far as it goes thought i friend sholto is safe at any rate i wonder what the fresh clue may be though it seems to be a stereotype form whenever the police have made a blunder i tossed the paper down upon the table but at that moment my eye caught an advertisement in the agony column it ran in this way lost whereas mordecai smith boatman and his son jim left smith's wharf at or about three o'clock last tuesday morning in the steam launch aurora black with two red stripes funnel black with a white band the sum of five pounds will be paid to anyone who can give information to mrs smith 
at smith's wharf or at 221b baker street as to the whereabouts of the said mordecai smith and the launch aurora this was clearly holmes's doing the baker street address was enough to prove that it struck me as rather ingenious because it might be read by the fugitives without their seeing in it more than the natural anxiety of a wife for her missing husband it was a long day every time that a knock came to the door or a sharp step passed in the street i imagined that it was either holmes returning or an answer to his advertisement i tried to read but my thoughts would wander off to our strange quest and to the ill-assorted and villainous pair whom we were pursuing could there be i wondered some radical flaw in my companion's reasoning might he be suffering from some huge self-deception was it not possible that his nimble and speculative mind had built up this wild theory upon faulty premises i had never known him to be wrong and yet the keenest reasoner may occasionally be deceived he was likely i thought to fall into error through the over-refinement of his logic his preference for a subtle and bizarre explanation when a plainer and more commonplace one lay ready to his hand yet on the other hand i had myself seen the evidence and i had heard the reasons for his deductions when i look back on the long chain of curious circumstances many of them trivial in themselves but all tending in the same direction i could not disguise from myself that even if holmes's explanation were incorrect the true theory must be equally outre and startling at three o'clock in the afternoon there was a loud peal at the bell an authoritative voice in the hall and to my surprise no less a person than mr athelney jones was shown up to me very different was he however from the brusque and masterful professor of common sense who had taken over the case so confidently at upper norwood his expression was downcast and his bearing meek and even apologetic good day sir good day said he mr sherlock holmes is out i understand yes and i cannot be sure when he'll be back but perhaps you would care to wait take that chair and try one of these cigars thank you i don't mind if i do said he mopping his face with a red bandana handkerchief and a whisky and soda well half a glass it is very hot for the time of year and i have had a good deal to worry and try me you know my theory about this norwood case i remember that you expressed one well i've been obliged to reconsider it i had my net drawn tightly round mr sholto sir when pop he went through a hole in the middle of it he was able to prove an alibi which could not be shaken from the time that he left his brother's room he was never out of sight of someone or other so it could not be he who climbed over roofs and through trapdoors it's a very dark case and my professional credit is at stake i should be very glad of a little assistance we all need help sometimes said i your friend mr sherlock holmes is a wonderful man sir said he in a husky and confidential voice he's a man who is not to be beat i've known that young man go into a good many cases but i never saw the case yet that he could not throw a light upon he is irregular in his methods and a little quick perhaps in jumping at theories but on the whole i think he would have made a most promising officer and i don't care who knows it i've had a wire from him this morning by which i understand that he has got some clue to this sholto business here is the message 
he took the telegram out of his pocket and handed it to me it was dated from poplar at twelve o'clock go to baker street at once it said if i have not returned wait for me i am close on the track of the sholto gang you can come with us tonight if you want to be in at the finish this sounds well he has evidently picked up the scent again said i oh then he has been at fault too exclaimed jones with evident satisfaction even the best of us are thrown off sometimes of course this may prove to be a false alarm but it is my duty as an officer of the law to allow no chance to slip but there is someone at the door perhaps this is he a heavy step was heard ascending the stair with a great wheezing and rattling as from a man who was sorely put to it for breath once or twice he stopped as though the climb were too much for him but at last he made his way to our door and entered his appearance corresponded to the sounds which we had heard he was an aged man clad in seafaring garb with an old pea-jacket buttoned up to his throat his back was bowed his knees were shaky and his breathing was painfully asthmatic as he leaned upon a thick oaken cudgel his shoulders heaved in the effort to draw the air into his lungs he had a colored scarf around his chin and i could see little of his face save a pair of keen dark eyes overhung by bushy white brows and long gray side whiskers altogether he gave me the impression of a respectable master mariner who had fallen into years and poverty what is it my man i asked he looked about him in the slow methodical fashion of old age is mr sherlock holmes here said he no but i'm acting for him you can tell me any message you have for him it was to him himself i was to tell it said he but i tell you that i'm acting for him was it about mordecai smith's boat yes i knows well where he is and i knows where the men he is after are and i knows where the treasure is i knows all about it then tell me and i shall let him know it was to him i was to tell it he repeated with the petulant obstinacy of a very old man well you must wait for him no no i ain't going to lose a whole day to please no one if mr holmes ain't here then mr holmes must find it all out for himself i don't care about the look of either of you and i won't tell a word he shuffled towards the door but athelney jones got in front of him wait a bit my friend said he you have important information and you must not walk off we shall keep you whether you like it or not until our friend returns the old man made a little run towards the door but as athelney jones put his broad back up against it he recognized the uselessness of resistance pretty sore treatment this he cried stamping his stick i come here to see it gentlemen and you two who i never saw in my life seize me and treat me in this fashion you will be none the worse i said we shall recompense you for the loss of your time sit over here on the sofa and you will not have long to wait he came across sullenly enough and seated himself with his face resting on his hands jones and i resumed our cigars and our talk suddenly however holmes's voice broke in upon us i think that you might offer me a cigar too he said we both started in our chairs 
there was holmes sitting close to us with an air of quiet amusement holmes i exclaimed you here but where's the old man here is the old man said he holding out a heap of white hair here he is wig whiskers eyebrows and all i thought my disguise was pretty good but i hardly expected that it would stand that test oh you rogue cried jones highly delighted you would have made an actor and a rare one you had the proper workhouse cough and those weak legs of yours are worth ten pound a week i thought i knew the glint of your eye though you didn't get away from us so easily you see i have been working in that get-up all day said he lighting his cigar you see a good many of the criminal classes begin to know me especially since our friend here took to publishing some of my cases so i can only go on the warpath under some simple disguise like this you got my wire yes that was what brought me here how has your case prospered it has all come to nothing i've had to release two of my prisoners and there is no evidence against the other two never mind we shall give you two others in the place of them but you must put yourself under my orders you are welcome to all the official credit but you must act on the line that i point out is that agreed entirely if you'll help me to the men well then in the first place i shall want a fast police boat a steam launch to be at the westminster stairs at seven o'clock that is easily managed there's always one about there but i can step across the road and telephone to make sure then i shall want two stanch men in case of resistance there will be two or three in the boat what else when we secure the men we shall get the treasure i think that it would be a pleasure to my friend here to take the box round to the young lady to whom half of it rightfully belongs let her be the first to open it eh watson it would be a great pleasure to me rather an irregular proceeding said jones shaking his head however the whole thing is irregular when i suppose we must wink at it the treasure must afterwards be handed over to the authorities until after the official investigation certainly that is easily managed one other point i should much like to have a few details about this matter from the lips of jonathan small himself you know i like to work the detail of my cases out there is no objection to my having an unofficial interview with him either here in my rooms or elsewhere as long as he is efficiently guarded well you're a master of the situation i've had no proof yet of the existence of this jonathan small however if you can catch him i don't see how i can refuse you an interview with him that is understood then perfectly is there anything else only that i insist upon your dining with us it will be ready in half an hour i have oysters and a brace of grouse with something a little choice in white wines watson you have never yet recognized my merits as a housekeeper end of chapter nine What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.